Welcome to The Room, where we talk about the hard parts of leadership that every great leader goes through, but no one wants to talk about. I'm Jenny Dufresne, host of The Room podcast and CEO of Leaders Transform, a business growth training firm. I am a global leader, former United States Marine, international best-selling author, community, and business leader. The Room is your safe space. We'll talk about the things that are difficult for leaders, the tough stuff that leaders aren't willing to be vulnerable about, but we really need to. So come on in, close the door, join me in the room. I know leaders and I know leadership. My team has been asking me, how come I've said nothing about the Supreme Court's ruling in Roe versus Wade? I fumbled around with the answer, honestly, because I was trying to figure out what could I say that would be helpful or different than what has been said. For me, personally, the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade was really devastating for lots of reasons. Not just that, in my opinion, it takes women's, women's progress, women's momentum backwards dramatically, but also that it opens the door for many other things. You may not know, but I'm a lesbian. I'm married to a woman. I have two sons. And what I'm concerned about is that the Supreme Court's ruling on Roe versus Wade could be just the beginning of an undoing of not only my right to be married to my wife, but also to other things that I enjoy as an African-American woman, like the right to vote. Now, you may say, oh, it's settled law. Guess what? Everyone thought Roe v. Wade was settled law as well. And so I've been silent. I railed at home and with a few of my friends about, you know, the, the unconscionable action of the Supreme Court. But one of my team uh, engaged me in a conversation. And basically, well, both my team, two, two of my team members said, you know, how come you're not saying anything about this? But it got me thinking about leaders. And it got me thinking about what do we do when our personal convictions are diametrically opposite to people in our, in our organizations? And so you may have heard, if you didn't listen or check out episode 23, where uh, I talk about, uh, it's entitled, I'm HIV positive, where I talk about one of my experiences as a leader when a young employee walked into my office and broke down sobbing to tell me that he had just found out that he was HIV positive. Now, everything in me when he said that just froze because I was not prepared as a leader to handle, to figure out what to do in that moment. You see, as I've shared, I'm a former United States Marine and I was trained to really be separate from the team, to mask my emotions, to not be overly connected or overly vulnerable or overly emotive or overly empathetic for that matter. And so that was really how my training has been. And it is a training that I have to continuously unpack because it was the most profound leadership training I've ever had. But it's also a leadership training that I constantly have to re-examine and make sure 
that I'm creating space for people to, to be in my, be in my, in my life and in my energy. And so this, this Roe versus Wade has really gotten me thinking because again, there's people who are wildly ecstatically happy that it has been, um, that it, that it has been overturned. And there are others who are depressingly devastated that it has been overturned. And all those people are coming to work every day, right? And so I wanted to just play this out. I was imagining myself if I was a pro-life leader, right? So my religious, my moral conviction was that that life starts at the point of conception and that everything should be done legally, politically to ensure that as the fetus grows, that it's grow, that it grows and it is given birth to, regardless of any circumstance. So uh, you may have heard the uh, right, literally right after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, there was a 10-year-old little girl who traveled from one state to another state because she had been raped and she was pregnant. And her mother took her from, I believe they went to Ohio, but took her to another state to get, to get an abortion. At 10, imagine being a 10-year-old child who is A, raped, but then secondly, who is being forced to have a child because a legal precedent had been overturned. But imagine, so I was imagining myself as a pro-life leader. And I was imagining myself much like episode 23 where a young man came into my office and announced that he was HIV positive and I had to struggle with like how to handle that. But what if I'm a pro-life leader and, you know, an employee knocks on my door and walks in and is visibly shaken, is visibly, you know, distraught? And sits down and says to me, I've just discovered that I'm pregnant and I don't know what to do, but I, I, I believe I have to get an abortion. I have some pre-existing health conditions and I don't know how this would impact me at work. I don't want to lose my job. If I were to have a bit like just if this person came and, and, and shared this and you're a pro-life you have a moral conviction, a religious conviction around pro-life stance. But clearly this employee is pro-choice. But they have a level of respect. Maybe they don't know you're pro-life. But they have a level of respect for you. And they, maybe they look to you for guidance. Maybe they look to you for mentorship. And they come and they share this. And they lay out the things that they're struggling with. Maybe they were raped. I mean, could be anything, right? Because we can't continue to pretend that people don't have really bad traumatic things that happen to them and that the, the answer is, well, you know, just, you know, soldier forth, you'll be fine. Like, that's not real. That's not a, that's not a, that's not a real way to look at this. But imagine yourself. And if you are someone who's pro-life and maybe you're in a leadership role, imagine yourself if an employee came in and is completely distraught, does not want to bring the baby, does not want to have, give birth, has no desire, no nothing. 
Um, what would you do? What would you say? If someone walked up, you know, came into your office and unburdened herself and said, I, I need to have an abortion. I can't do this for whatever variety of reasons. What would you do? I think this is a really profound, I find it to be a very profound question. Because on one level, do the strength of your personal convictions override or do we, do we convey those to that employee in this case? Do we moralize to them and say to them, you know, it's God's will that you're pregnant and this should be the way that, you know, you should have this baby? Is that our role as leaders with particular religious convictions? Or are we supposed to take some sort of balanced position? Or maybe we ask the person a lot of questions. Maybe we give them two perspectives. Or maybe we invite them to engage with two different resources, a pro-life resource and a pro-choice resource. But it really brings to me the, the, the notion of, do my personal convictions do I assert those in a work environment? And particularly something with, that's as sensitive as this. So take it another way. I'm a pro-life leader, and I discover that I have a solid vocal group of pro-choice employees who, if you happen to listen to episode uh, 24, who demand that there's a discussion in the organization about Roe versus Wade. Or who demand that, you know, there's a public statement from the organization, but you're a pro-life leader. What is our responsibility as leaders? What, what is it that we're supposed to do? And publicly, you know, especially what are our, what is our public responsibility? And that means you know, the example I gave, if you have a, your pro-life leader, you have a, a solid group of pro-choice employees who are adamantly wanting the organization to make a stand and to, 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 to speak out against the Supreme Court's decision. What do you do? I, and I just find this, this, find this question of where, where do our personal convictions, like, wh- is there a line? that we reserve and don't allow our personal convictions to step over, particularly in a professional environment. And particularly when now we've gone from one legal, one type of legal precedence to removing that precedence and a completely different legal precedence that actually more supports my personal convictions as a pro-life person, right? Goes back to this. What is my responsibility? to all of the people in my organization. What is that responsibility? I don't have any great answers, to be honest, because I know that this particular issue, abortion, abortion's rights, a woman's right to choose, or the, the, babe, the fetus's baby's right to be born, um, these are highly charged and highly emotional issues. But I can almost guarantee you that there were thousands, maybe millions of people who came to work and who are still coming to work, who are devastated 
or elated. They're either devastated or elated. And so it's, it's a question that I think leaders need to struggle with. Do my moral convictions, my personal convictions, assert themselves because I am in a leadership role? Or do I figure out a way to, to be and present a balanced perspective where people, where people can have the opportunity to maybe dial down the heated rhetoric and heated reaction and be able to start to listen to one another. I think abortion is an issue that people cannot listen to each other. Um, I've been mortified, honestly, as someone who is definitely pro-choice. I've been mortified at the shock that people have had that 10-year-old little girls do get raped and can get pregnant. I've been shocked at the righteous stand that folks have made against a woman's health, (laughs) right? But again, as a leader, my, my, my team members are just now probably hearing about what my position is. Uh, they've wanted, they've literally have asked me what, what you've not said anything. Well, well are you going to do a session? You know, you're going to do a podcast on the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And I've been silent. I've been silent. Maybe I'm chicken. That's, that's possibly possible too. I know I can get on a serious soapbox, um, but it really begs the question. I was talking and sharing in episode 24 about you know, the perfect storm when we had a pandemic, then we had the murder of George Floyd, which uh, really uh, put fuel on the fire of the Black Lives Matter movement. And then there was a tremendous backlash with the All Lives Matter movement and the White Lives Matter movement and the Blue Lives Matter movement to then a further, a further division, a very emotional and catastrophic division to our country, I believe which is um, all things uh, former President Trump and how the, the rhetoric got so heated that leaders literally couldn't, couldn't come out and share a balanced perspective, right? People started to focus more on self-preservation. I'm going to preserve my, my job, my money, my role more than I'm going to stand for what is important or just or ethically, ethically um, inclusive. And so this question, what is our responsibility when the personal lives or personal perspectives of our employees come into the workplace and really go against, as in Roe v. Wade, really go against our personal convictions? our religious convictions. What is our responsibility? First as a leader, first to ourselves and as a leader, but also to the the people that we're responsible to lead. I think a couple of things. I think it's important, and if you listen to episode uh, 24, you'll you'll find that I'm uh, speaking a little bit out of both sides of my mouth, but I've had to learn this lesson. I talk about, you know, the book that really um, became very divisive in our organizational culture, which was 
Going Rogue, Sarah Palin's first book, I believe, and an employee who righteously put it up on her desk in a way that was making a statement, a political statement. I didn't handle that well. Um, and, you know, so there's some lessons for me to even learn. Uh, but, it, but most of us as leaders, we don't know a lot about the personal lives or personal beliefs of our employees. And most of our employees don't know our personal lives or personal beliefs either. That is the model of leadership that we have all been leading under and, and, and following. But, but we do have, I think, the, right, the responsibility to um, articulate that respectful communication is paramount. So communicating with each other when we have deeply emotional uh, disagreements, communicating respectfully, not making things personal. You know, in this example of a pro-life leader, you know, the pro-life leader talking to an employee or listening to an employee who says, I, I, I have to get an abortion, can't say, you know, you're violating God's will. Like that, in my opinion, is a way to just create division and disconnection. It does not, it does not create connection, does not create a sense of safety even, right? So I think the other Third thing I would say is we have to, we're responsible for creating an environment of safety for everybody. You know, if you're if you're leading an environment where you have very few people of color, it is your responsibility as a leader to create a psychologically safe environment. Right? And that means you may not have any you may not understand your your employees who are from another, you know, another race or ethnicity, but you do have the responsibility to create psychological safety. So I would say respect, respectful communication, not making things personal, they cannot become personal, uh, and creating psychological safety for a people is really uh, a few of the things that I think are, are important. But I'd love to hear from you. Um, Roe v. Wade has been very divisive, um, catastrophic in lots of ways for lots of communities, and you know a fulfilling of God's prophecy in other communities. So where would you, how, how would you handle something like this? If you were a pro-life leader and you discover that a bunch of your employees are pro-choice and, and adamantly pro-choice, what's your responsibility in that sense, in that case? Or flip it. Let's say you're a pro-choice leader and you discover that, you know, 75% of your employees are pro-life and adamantly pro-life and want the organization to take a stand publicly. What's your responsibility? As I said, Communicating respectfully is huge. Creating psychological safety is enormous and very, very important. Um, and so, but I'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, share comments. Uh, what would you do? Hey, it's Jenny. Thank you so much for joining me in this week's episode of The Room, a safe place where leaders come together to talk about the things that we don't often share out loud. If you enjoyed your time in The Room, please like or subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a review. And if you want to learn more about our important work with leaders, head over to the website, leaderstransform.com, and continue to be connected to our community. Thank you again for listening, and make sure you invite someone to next week's episode of The Room.